This is Crosscut Reports. I'm Mark Baumgarten, filling in for Sarah Bernard. Today we're talking about the U.S. Supreme Court again. It's been a tumultuous last year for the highest court in the land. Last June, the court, with an expanded conservative majority, handed down a decision that ended federal protection for abortion and set off political shockwaves. Now the court's nine justices are considering a number of other cases that could reshape the country's relationship to race, technology, and even democracy itself. And that's not even the half of it. We wanted to know what people in Washington state think of the court. So we polled registered voters throughout the state and asked whether they approved of the court, how they would change it, and what they think of this new slate of cases. The results were surprising and show an electorate that is uncertain about the court and maybe not quite as partisan as recent history might suggest. I've asked Crosscut pollster Stuart Elway to come into the studio and walk us through his findings. So, Stuart, tell me, what did we ask people about in this poll? There were really three sections. We asked people their opinion about the court, whether they approved or disapproved of the court, whether it reflected their values, that sort of thing. Then we asked a series of questions about court reforms that have been uh, proposed and, and are being discussed. And then we went through about eight cases that are currently before the court that are going to be announced here in the next, uh, in the coming weeks and months. So there was basically those three sections. And why did we ask about the court right now? Well, you know, the the court has always been important, of course, but it's not always uh, top of mind in voters' thinking. But I, that really changed uh, uh, last year and the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade. All of a sudden, the court became very important. And I mean, as it always has been, but it became a voting issue. Republicans for a long time have been moving toward this court that they have built now. Democrats have been not paying as much attention to it, at least at least the voting uh, Democrats. But those decisions last year really energized a lot of people to both vote and to understand that these votes have consequences beyond just who gets elected, that that they get to appoint court uh, justices and approve them, and that that makes a difference. And the Dobbs decision that you talked about was credited with um, the result we saw in the general election this last November. Why is it important for us, though? I mean, I hear you talking about the court, um, there being a, a growing understanding on the uh, with the Democrats on the left of the importance of who gets appointed to the court. But that's a real long game, yes. right? I mean, it's, uh, you know, a president maybe gets to appoint maybe one to three justices, right? right? In the short term, we're asking, and we're going to talk about it here, we're asking about particular cases where the decision is coming down in the next couple of months. Right. Why is it important for us to know what voters in Washington state think about these cases when the voters don't decide these cases and really they don't have any control over how these cases are decided? Well, it's really uh, a part of what 
we're doing all along um, with the uh, the Crosscut Elway poll, which is to uh, paint a picture, if you will, uh, of the Washington electorate. What what are they thinking? What are they what are they thinking about? Um, how are they coming to decisions on some of these issues? And and for for the eight cases that we asked them about, a couple of them are fairly obscure, but uh, several of them are issues that are in the news, have been in the news, have been in the public discussion, and it's this is a useful way to measure what Washington voters uh, are thinking about these issues. They're not going to have an impact on the decision, as you say, and, and really not going to have not much of an impact on who gets to be a justice next time, but uh, it is a measure of what the Washington electorate is thinking about. And, and, and then we can do some slicing and dicing in there to, to see where there are uh, agreement and disagreements here in Washington. And so in order for this result to be valuable, it needs to be considered accurate, right? Right. And that is really about who we're asking and how we are selecting the people that we're asking. So tell us, who are these people and what were the considerations um, in deciding who would be in this poll? We did a sample of 400, actually 403 uh, registered voters in Washington. Uh, We got those names to call from the list of registered voters, so we know that they're they're registered. We verify that when we call them. We interview them by telephone and by text. So we call landlines, cell phones, and then we do some texting uh, to cell phone numbers and combine those answers to get our 400. In probability theory, a, a sample of 400 will get you results that are within plus or minus 5% of the answers you would get if you talk to everybody. So that's that's our standard sample uh, for these polls. Um, then we, while we're doing the calling, we uh, monitor, uh, are we getting a, the right balance? So region, uh, gender, uh, age categories, party ID, which we ask people because we don't register by party here, education level, and this one we asked uh, employment status, race and ethnicity, and then income, household income. And so when the sample is all done, this sample is pretty close to the, the makeup of registered voters in Washington state. Yes, yes. And, and uh, sometimes we have to uh, do some adjusting afterwards. If we get too many one way or another, we will statistically weight the data, and that's a pretty standard practice. Okay. So trustworthy sample. Yep. Let's talk about the results. All right. First, we did approval rating on the Supreme Court. Pretty straightforward question. Right. What was the result of that? Um, a split decision. Um, 44% said uh, that they approve of the—generally, on balance, they approve of the Supreme Court— um, strongly or approve or approve strongly and then so that's 44 and then 46 said they disapprove or disapprove strongly which coincidentally matches a national poll done by Pew just two weeks before ours that had the same two-point gap in the same direction. Well that doesn't sound like a coincidence. That no sounds it's not, <laughs> that's not the right word uh, yeah so that's so so that also helps us 
um, validate the rest of the poll. You know, if, we, if we're getting the same answers other people are getting, that's a, that's a good thing. Another thing we asked about the court was, uh, was about court reform. What did we see when we asked people about the different ideas that have been surfaced to reform the court? We asked uh, four different reforms, and uh, three of them got pretty strong response. The strongest was uh, impose a mandatory retirement age, where three out of four of our respondents uh, were in favor of that. Wait. Three out of four respondents were in favor of... Uh, of mandatory retirement age for justice. So there are people who approve of the court but also believe that there should be... Yeah. Well, there were a couple other things. Uh, in, in Right after the approval of the court, we asked uh, whether the court reflects their values. And two-thirds of the people said only some of the time or never. And then does the Supreme Court... Uh, more often adhere to the Constitution or follow a political agenda. And it was almost two to one saying they follow a political agenda. So the approval of the court, first question in the survey, kind of followed party lines. Over 60 percent of Democrats disapproved, over 60 percent of Republicans approved. So that was kind of the initial, as we moved along, it wasn't quite as uh, a blanket approval as, as all of that. Uh, so then when we get to these reforms, people are in favor of them. So indicates that the court image is uh, in more trouble than they would like to be. Okay, Stuart. So we asked about eight cases that the court is going to be deciding in the next month or two here. And I don't want to get into all of them because we don't have time here. I encourage anybody who wants to know uh, everything that's in this poll to check it out at crosscut.com. But I want to go through some of the high profile cases where actually the people who you were asking about had probably heard about the cases already. How about if I just roll through the ones that we asked about, and you can tell me what the result was. Okay. So we asked about whether or not the president has the authority to cancel college student debt. Uh, 50, what did people say? 59% said no. That should require an act of Congress. And then we asked about affirmative action. Should colleges and universities be allowed to use race as one consideration in determining admissions? 68% said Race should have no consideration in college admissions. Okay. And then there's a question of voting and redistricting laws and whether state legislatures should have unrestricted authority to write laws governing voting and redistricting. 76% said no, that the court should be able to review and potentially overturn such laws. And then there's the case about whether social media companies should be responsible uh, or liable for the content that's posted on their sites. You, in the survey, uh, say when terrorists use social media, should, should those social media companies be liable? What, yeah. what was the response to that? 66% said they should have some liability. And then, Stuart, this is the last case I'm going to ask you about, but there's a case that involves uh, girls who are transgender and whether transgender girls should be allowed or prohibited from participating in girls' sports in school. And what did people think of that? Uh, 56% of my respondents said they should not be allowed to participate. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so a lot of numbers there, uh, and I know that people are going to be poring over these, arguing about these. What I want to know, Stuart, is when you see these results in the aggregate, what are you seeing here from the people who answered this poll? Well, I'm seeing people who generally have some ideas about the court uh, and, uh, and, and their approval of it, think there's reforms that need to be made, pretty strongly uh, agree on that, and then they're picking their way through these these cases. On the eight cases, I, I tried to code them. You know, there's a progressive side and a conservative side, and that's, that's rough and open to judgment, but the average was people came down on the progressive side three times, and they came down on the conservative side three times and the rest were even. So they're they're picking their way through. They're think they're they're thinking they're treating them individually. Uh, there there isn't a consistent through line on these cases. And particularly when we get into some of the thornier ones. That to me seems like how public opinion works. That uh, if if I've been thinking about it and talking about it and it's been in the news I'm more likely to have an opinion that I can express and, and uh, uh, defend. If it's if it's new or something I'm not familiar with, it's a little less uh, uh, settled. And I think that's what really what we saw here. So this is the thing, and you know, I of course have had an opportunity to look at these results before we uh, jumped on Mike, and this is really the striking thing to me because we have been doing polling for about five years. Um, and uh, I should just note that, um, you know, we have a partnership with uh, Elway Research. You've been doing polling for decades, for almost 40 years, right? Almost 50. Almost 50 years, sorry. Um, and <laughs> No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but we've been doing this for five years. And uh, as um, as we've been doing it, and as you and I have been looking at polls once every few months, it seems like the thing that happens over and over and over again is that no matter what the poll is about, it breaks down along partisan lines. But that's not what's happening here. We're actually seeing a divergence. People who are answering questions based on, as you said, sort of like an, in, an informed position that is not dictated by the party that they identify with. Yeah. What's going on here? Well, we're in, a, we're in a fluid time. And I should say that, you know, prior to the five years that we've been doing it together, it hasn't always been like this. Uh, that we've, we've gotten into increasingly partisan, tribal, hardened battle lines kind of times. Um, I think one of the things I'm, I'm thinking about when I look at these findings in this poll, uh, particularly, on, you know, some of these issues are, are real hot-button issues for both the parties, that maybe the party leaders are not uh, entirely in tune with the rank and file. I think that may be some of what's happening here. As we've become more tribal in our politics and more partisan, the parties have drifted further apart. You know, we talk about going to their corners, and they seem to be represented by Marjorie Taylor Greene and AOC, you know, and but most people aren't in either of those corners. Hmm. Uh, most people are well, pick a party, but they're they're still closer to the middle of the ring than those corners. So I think that may be some of what we're seeing here. And so the Supreme Court, as this major national entity 
that is being reported on all the time, that people are interested in this docket and what these decisions are coming down, does it actually present people with another way to think about the direction of the nation that is not electoral politics? And so as more attention comes toward the court, we actually get to see people start to express opinions that are divorced from red and blue and is more about the issues at hand. That's an interesting question. I, I think you're, you're on to something there. Um, as we spoke earlier, the the courts as a electoral issue or as an issue that the voters need to be thinking about has elevated in the just in the last year. And, and so this may be an, an extension of that. And yet the Supreme Court can still, yeah, can still influence elections. You know, I think the energy around the abortion decision still is a part of our political discourse, will still shape yeah. the decisions that people make at the ballot box from right. here on out. Absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, abortion got all the attention, and rightly so, because that was the decision. But underneath that, that didn't get reported as much, was the realization or, or the perception, I guess I'd say, on a number of people that democracy is really uh, in peril here. The, the, the Dobbs decision clearly motivated people and it was the number one thing. But there there was some exit polling that uh, showed after the midterms last year that right up behind there, number two, was threats to democracy. So, Stuart, these concerns over democracy that you're talking about, do you see them in the poll that we just fielded here as well? I think you can. You know, we, when we presented the reforms to the court, 85% of people supported at least one reform of the court. Hmm. And most people supported more than one. And then we had some that were like at, at 70%. So I think that is indicating a uh, maybe a dissatisfaction or, or something that a question that we didn't ask uh, that, that's a little deeper than just the reform of the court. There's something that's driving an, uh, people's impulse to want to re reform the court. Even if they approve of the even court? If, uh, even people who approved of the court and felt that it was, it was uh, reflecting the Constitution still were in, in support of the reforms. Thanks for listening to Crosscut Reports. This episode was reported by Stuart Elway and produced by Seth Halloran. The story editor and executive producer is me, Mark Bumgarten. You can subscribe to Crosscut Reports wherever you listen. And whatever platform you're listening on, please review us. We'd love to know what you think of the show. Also, if you would like to support the work that we do at Crosscut, whether it's our lineup of podcasts, the video docu-series we stream every week, or the in-depth reporting we deliver every day, go to crosscut.com membership. In addition to supporting our journalism, members receive complete access to the on-demand programming of Seattle's PBS station, KCTS 9. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit crosscut.com. Crosscut Reports is a product of Cascade Public Media. 
I'm Mark Baumgarten. We'll be back soon with another episode.